Thanks for finding us and tuning into this podcast this week presented by Beef O'Brady's in Tampa on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, as well as Hank's Barbecue and Home Slice Pizza. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is good. To beat the man, you gotta beat the man. The two-one swung lane drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the run of the play. This is the Powers on Sports podcast. Welcome back. Appreciate you finding us on another episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason. Down here in lovely Tampa, Florida, as we wrap up the month of November and head to the month of December. Only about 24, 25 days left till Christmas. Have you started your shopping yet? Hopefully you've started listening to some Christmas music. I always love listening to some Christmas music this time of the year. Got a good episode for you this week. Got two guests for you. We're going to talk to... Sean Kelly. Sean is the new play-by-play voice of the Florida Gators. I I talked to Sean, did a simulcast with one of my other podcasts, the Florida Football Insiders. We talked to Sean about his uh, taking the Florida job, moving down to Gainesville and his career and such. So I think you'll enjoy that. Sean took over for uh, voice of the Gators, legendary voice of the Gators, Mick Hubert, who had been with the Gators for many a moons. So Sean jumped aboard uh, with us. Uh, talking, uh, we talked to Sean late last week as he got pre- was prepping for the Florida Florida State game, which turned out to be a barn burner in uh, year number one for Sean. 45-38 Florida State win, highest scoring game ever in the series between Florida Florida State. So we talked to Sean Kelly. We're also going to talk to Mike Neighbors. Mike is an Emmy Award winning uh, broadcaster. He's author. He's an author, a professor. Uh, he, he works for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he, he covers the Saints. He's got his own uh, content uh, series that he's created on YouTube called Aaron's, which he's going to talk about. Mike's just a great guy to talk uh, sports with. He He's made a uh, great transition in his career from the pure broadcasting side of things to uh, public speaking. Again, he's an author. He wrote a book with Drew Brees, which we'll discuss. Mike's doing a lot of great things, so uh, you'll enjoy our chat with Mike as we talk Bucks Saints a little bit, a little bit of the some of the NFL, some World Cup, and all kind of good stuff with Mike Neighbor. So, two good guests for you. Before we get to Sean and Mike, I want to give you some thoughts on the World Cup. I'm going to give you some college football thoughts and a couple NFL things as well. So, let's start with the World Cup. The United States. Gets out of the group with England, Wales, and Iran with a dramatic one nothing win in the third pool pool play game versus Iran on Tuesday. Kristen Pulisic delivers the goods with a first-half goal. He gets injured on the play, doesn't return after halftime. Uh, all indications are that he'll be okay for the game on Saturday. But the United States sweats it out the last 10 or 15 minutes of that game. Iran had several good chances. But the United States figures out a way to get through. They get five points out of the group, two draws and a win. So good job there, Burhalter, getting them getting them through. England wins the group. 
uh, with uh, on top of the group, and the United States come in second in the group. So uh, the Netherlands are on deck for the United States in the in the round of 16 knockout round. Game is on Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Remember, all games are on Fox or FS1. This game will be on Fox for sure on Saturday, leading into their uh, college football coverage. But again, uh, the Netherlands are on deck for the United States. I think it's a winnable game. Remember, after the knockout round, there's no more draws, so they're gonna they'll play extra time if need be, and then they'll go to penalty kicks if need be as well. So. You'll play, I believe it's night. You'll play 90 minutes, obviously of regulation. I believe you'll play two 15-minute, uh, not sudden death overtime. So they're not sudden death. So you can score as many goals as can be scored in the in the 30. You're gonna get 30 extra extra minutes. And then if the game's still tied after the 30 extra minutes, you're gonna go to penalty kick. So uh, the USA Netherlands. Again, the the couple questions I'd have for the United States. One is a goal scoring is still is still an issue. Um, they had some good chances. They had a Timothy Weah goal was called called back due to a offsides. He was offsides by a, just a fraction. Would have made the score two nothing against Iran uh, early in that game in the first half. But again, uh, goal scoring has been an issue for the United States. And the other question is, what is going on with Gio Reyna? Why is Gio Reyna not playing? The the uh, highly touted twenty year old son of Claudio Reyna. If you remember the United States team back in the nineties. Claudio Reyna was a big player, but Gio Reyna, the, his son, is a big player at 20 years old. Has not has only played I think one time in, in, in one out of the three matches. What's going on with him? Why is he not getting minutes? Yeah, uh, you, you have to think he's got to be involved in the game plan here significantly against the Netherlands. The Netherlands are a good team, not great. I would say they were pro- they would probably be the sixth or seventh betting favorite to win the to win the tournament. Um, you know they're not a vintage Netherlands team, but they are a good team. The Netherlands, Netherlands will be favored going into the game, but it's definitely a game I think the United States can win. Uh, potentially, if they win that game, they could see Argentina in the quarterfinals, which would be a spectacle with Messi. The all the rumors about Messi coming to the MLS, potentially Miami, the Miami franchise of MLS. Uh, but again, uh, the Netherlands, United States, Saturday, 10 a.m. Mexico eliminated today. Uh, in the in the in their group with Poland, Poland advances as well as Argentina. A very dramatic uh, last eight or ten minutes in the in the Poland Argentina match as well as the Mexico Saudi Arabia because Poland and Mexico were fighting for goal differential and all that stuff. They were going to be tied in the stand standings, and so at one point it was going to come down to the to the fifth, fourth or fifth tiebreaker, which would have been yellow cards accumulated. Saudi Arabia scores a late goal against Mexico, which which jumbles up the uh, goal differential equation, which allows Poland to advance on goal differential. But had the both games ended 2-0, it would have come down to yellow card accumulation, which would have been a tragic way uh, for, for Mexico to be eliminated. But Mexico is eliminated even though they won. The coach for Mexico has already been fired less than 12 hours after the match. He was fired. Uh, by Mexico, the first time Mexico has not reached the knockout round since 1978, which is pretty incredible to think that that Mexico has been able to get out of the out of the uh, their group stage every every World Cup since 78. So uh, again, you've had some surprising uh, results. Australia gets through today as well, so that was kind of a surprising result. 
Um, not many people thought Australia would get out, but again, if you're if you're a world soccer fan, the uh, it's starting to get really really good now. There'll be some there'll be some dramatic uh, pool play games here Thursday Friday, and then the knockout round will start on Saturday, which where all the great drama will be because it's sudden death and there has to be a winner. So you'll see some great matches here starting in the knockout round. Um, and you will see some big, big players doing some big, big things all around. You got France is playing really well. England's playing well. Brazil, Argentina, Portugal with with uh, Ronaldo. So you got some dramatic and big, big time international soccer stars will be on display here. Germany's in tr- Germany's in a little bit of trouble. They still got to get out of their group, so they got a big match to get out of the group here coming up uh, later later in the week here. So. Um, a lot of drama. So, again, World Cup, all coverage is on Fox. So definitely check it out. But, again, USA-Netherlands Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern time. To me, that's much much must-watch television if you're a uh, sports fan. And a little nationalism for the United States of America. So, there's your soccer update. Again, I think the, I think they're going to get some – they'll get a huge rating on Saturday at 10 a.m. on Fox leading into the college football. So, all right, let's transition to the college football playoff. Rankings came out on Tuesday night. Georgia 1, Michigan 2, uh, TCU 3, USC 4. Remember, Michigan throttled Ohio State over the weekend. TCU hammered Iowa State. USC got through Notre Dame, and Georgia won their game. Ohio State falls to 5, Alabama 6, which is kind of interesting and key there. They think Ohio State is, is going to be uh, slightly higher ranked, obviously, than Alabama with the ranking. So in the event TCU or USC loses, there will be a debate. Um, I don't think God, it's going to be a, it, the 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 debate for the selection committee is going to be this: one of two things. What if both TCU and USC lose over the weekend? What happens to me? USC has to win the game Saturday in the Pac-12 title, Friday night in the Pac-12 title game against Utah. USC is not getting into the into the playoff, not winning the Pac-12, and with two losses, with both losses being to uh, Utah. That's not happening. So USC is in a must-win situation for them. TCU is the int- intriguing part here. What if TCU loses to Kansas State on Saturday in the Big 12 title game? They've already beaten Kansas State once. If they were to lose again, not win the Big 12, they'd be 12-1, and not a conference champion. How do you how do you weigh what TCU's done with one loss versus what Ohio State's done with one loss? Again, Ohio State got manhandled at home by Michigan in their own building by three touchdowns Saturday. Um, I think Alabama should be ranked ahead of Ohio State because Alabama, I know Alabama lost twice, but they lost twice on the last play of the game on a two point conversion in a very sketchy game winning field goal in Baton Rouge and in Knoxville, Tennessee. Two. Two big places to play where Ohio State lost at home to Michigan by three touchdowns. So I would have Alabama ranked above Ohio State, but again, they're not. But So Ohio State is number five. What do you do if TCU loses? What do you do if TCU loses and USC wins? USC is going to be in if they win. If USC wins the Pac-12, they're in the playoff. I think Georgia and Michigan, barring a catastrophe, will be in as well, especially Michigan. Unless Michigan were to get beat by three touchdowns uh, in the Big Ten title game versus Purdue, which I don't see happening, they're in even if they were to get beat by a last-second field goal, something like that. Same with Georgia. Unless something happened to Georgia and they lost by three touchdowns, which, again, is a de facto home game in Atlanta, Georgia's going to be in it. The questions are going to be TCU and USC and Ohio State. 
What if one? What if TCU and Ohio and USC lose? And what happens if just uh, TCU loses? Because I think USC's they lose their out. Uh, but again, if if TCU loses, what do you do with Ohio State and TCU? Will be the sixty-five million dollar question. So. Uh, about what happens in this playoff. So it'd be very interesting to say. Again, I think Alabama ought to be ranked above Ohio State, uh, not because of any Alabama bias or SEC. I just think Alabama, w- if they played on a neutral field, they would be favored against Ohio State, and I think they would beat Ohio State. Both of them are in the same boat, not in a conference title game. And again, I think Alabama's losses are better than uh, Ohio State's losses. They both have decent wins. Nobody has a dramatic, unbelievable win on their resume. Penn State, Notre Dame for Ohio State. Alabama beat Texas, Ole Miss, uh, you know, some of those kind of teams as well. So not tremendous resumes for either, but I would have Alabama above Ohio State if it was me. Uh, So there's your college football, college football playoff. Again, Sunday they will announce the Final Four after the games on Saturday, Sunday Sunday around 12, 12, 1 o'clock. ESPN will have the final rankings of the college football, so you'll know who's who's doing what. They'll also have a bowl special, so you'll know – where your favorite team is going bowling at. So that'll be interesting to, to see how all that shakes out. Coaching hires, Matt Rule to Nebraska. You had Brent Key, the new uh, the interim coach at Georgia Tech, gets that full-time job. Uh, a lot of people thought that uh, Willie Fritz from Tulane might get that job, but they went with Brent Key, who was the interim. I think that's a smart hire. Two, two guys I want to talk about, Trent Dilfer. The reason I'm mentioning Trent, Trent Dilfer just got named the head football coach at UAB, my alma mater. I think it's a great hire. I listened to the Trent Dilfer press conference. I think Trent is a really smart guy. He was excellent on TV as an analyst. He's been coaching in Nashville, Tennessee at a private school the last four or five years. Uh, he, he's just got the mindset to be a head coach at the college level. He's got a ton of connections in the NFL, ton of coaching connections, all those kind of things. Trent knows what he's doing. I think Trent will do a great job. I think it's a great hire by UAB, an out-of-the-box hire. Um, I didn't even know anything about it till it got announced, but I think it's a, when the more you think about it, I think Trent Dofer will do a great job in Birmingham at UAB. Um, again, that would have been something if I had thought about that, that would have been a hire potentially for a place like USF down here in Tampa as well that I thought would be a good hire. But Trent Dofer, kudos to uh, the UAB administration for hiring Trent Dofer. I think that's going to be a, a big, big uh, win for them at UAB, the Blazers. Uh, all right, the last guy I want to talk about is Deion Sanders. Uh, tons of speculation about what Deion's going to do. He's allegedly been offered the Colorado job. A lot of speculation down here in Tampa that he's uh, been offered the USF job. Obviously, with Cincinnati now being open, with Luke Fickle going to, to Wisconsin, there's interest out of Cincinnati and Deion Sanders. So I think you're going to hear something from Deion here by the weekend about what he wants to do. I think it's da- I think it's down to USF or Cincinnati. Uh, he's got to weigh the options. Does he want to be in the southeast, the southern part of the country where he knows where he's got more recruiting connections probably than he would be in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, he's he, he grew up in Fort Myers, which is only a couple hours from Tampa. The weather's better. The recruiting base is better down here. So it'd be it's going to be interesting to see what Dion decides to do if he wants to go to USF, Cincinnati, or potentially stay put where he's at at Jackson. I don't see him staying put at Jackson State. Uh, this is a, this is a great chance for him to even if he's only at, at one of these 
mid majors for four or five years, you know, two or three years, turns them around, he'll have an opportunity to go to a bigger job if if that's what he wants. He may he may want to build a program from from where it's at. Again, Cincinnati's a a better job than USF, but there are different challenges with Cincinnati, who is now going into the Big Twelve. Uh, USF is now in the AAC, so there's lots of drama down here, especially in Tampa, about what Deion Sanders is going to do. We should know something by the weekend on that. So there's your college football, a couple NFL notes, Aaron Rodgers injury. How will Green Bay play this as far as Aaron Rodgers, uh, Jordan Love? Remember, Green Bay has one more game, and then they're off in Week 14. So there's, you know, who knows if Rodgers is going to play this Sunday at Chicago. He's indicated that he's going to that he's going to do everything he can to play, but it will be interesting come Sunday what the uh, what the final call is by the Packers. Do they if he's in a position where he could play? Do you play Rodgers going into the bye, or do you give Jordan Love, who looked pretty good on Monday night when he did play against the Eagles, do you give uh, Jordan Love the game in Chicago, go into the bye week, and potentially shut Aaron Rodgers down for the remainder of the season? Packers are not going to the playoffs. I, they're mathematically still alive, but their percentage is like 3% to make the playoffs. They would have to win all the rest of their games and need a lot of help. I don't see that happening. So, again, very interesting organizational decision. What do you do with Aaron Rodgers uh, either this weekend or post-by? Um, with his situ- injury situation, you want to be able to see Jordan Love, so get, get him some snaps as we get go down the stretch here. So it would be very, very interesting to see what happens. Um I've made the prediction. I've made the comment that I think I think if Tom Brady doesn't return to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next year, we, again we don't know what his future is. He's indicated uh, that he he loves the competitiveness of football. Obviously, his personal stuff is is now resolved with his divorce being final. Would t- if Tom Brady wants to play again next year, I think the Bucks would definitely want him. But if Tom Brady uh, wants to play, but he doesn't want to play in Tampa, remember he's a free agent. The Bucks can the Bucks contractually are not going to be able to franchise tag him. I know he negotiated that in his contract. He's going to be a true free agent. Does Tom Brady want to go to a third team to end his career? I don't think so personally. But if Tom Brady plays or retires and doesn't play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I have a strong feeling the Bucs are going to make a strong, would make a strong play for Aaron Rodgers. I think the Bucs are still in the win-now mode the next couple of years. I think they would bite the bullet and give up two number ones for them, in my opinion. So if you're the Green Bay Packers ever wanted to get out of that deal, <clears throat> potentially they're going to still take a hit salary cap-wise with the signing bonus of all the money they gave them. But they would have the. I think there would be plenty of suitors for an Aaron Rodgers if they wanted to trade him. Would they trade him to the NFC? Who knows? But don't be surprised if Aaron Rodgers is on the trade market if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, again, Assuming Tom Brady doesn't play for the Bucks next year, the Bucks are going to be big quarterback hunting, looking for, for for a big quarterback. So, but again, interesting decision that the Packers have to make here these next uh, uh, two or three weeks involving the injury to, to Rodgers as well as their standings and getting the opportunity for Jordan Love to get some meaningful snaps and some games. December, the month of December is always about which teams, the good teams, start to rise to the to the top here. Everybody's got uh, six games to go. Most most everybody in the league will have six games to go after week uh, after going into this week. 
you're going to know who the good teams are in the month of December. I know, I know lots of teams, some teams are struggling, like my Buccaneers, some teams, some, some middling teams, the 49ers, some teams in the AFC. You're going to know by the end of December who the good teams are. And I know that's towards the end of the year, but the best teams rise to the top here in the month of December. So, again, just because a team's off to a fast start, you got to finish the season strong, and not everybody does that. So, a lot of people are not sold on the 9-2 and two Vikings. A lot of people think the Eagles still have stuff to prove. But, again, these first couple weeks in December will give you a good litmus test of which teams are for real teams and which teams maybe aren't pl- haven't been playing great are going to find that uh, – that chemistry and that uh, you know whatever you whatever teamwork whatever you want to call it, and you're going to see some team you're going to see a team or two that's been struggling rise up here and make a run here late in the year. And again, Tampa Bay would be a, a possibility here in my opinion. Too many good players to for them to be just continuing to be so mediocre. But again, you'll know here in these next couple of weeks which teams are real and which teams are kind of paper champions here. Um, interesting, uh, Mike White, great performance by the Jets. Mike White ain't going nowhere. He's going to be the starting quarterback for the foreseeable future unless he throws horrendous interceptions back-to-back weeks. But they're going to they're they're rolling with Mike. They like Mike White. That locker room likes Mike likes Mike White. Uh he played well. He's competent. He's a professional. You're going to see Mike White play a lot of games here for the New York Jets in December. The return of Deshaun Watson this week. His suspension is over. He's been reinstated. He's starting in Houston of all places. I think you're going to see some major uh, upheaval outside the stadium in Houston on Sunday. There's already been reports that some of the the alleged victims are going to be uh, protesting uh, at, at the stadium on Sunday. You will see a ton of media coverage involving Deshaun Watson at the stadium on Sunday. Uh, OBJ, what's he going to do? When's he going to do it? He had the incident on the plane over the weekend. I got two things to say. One thing to say to OBJ, buckle your damn seatbelt. Nobody gives a damn that you're a star player. Put your damn seatbelt on. If you want to go sleep the whole plane, uh, the whole trip, great. Buckle your damn seatbelt and go to sleep. But for you to make a, such a scene, to have to have you, yourself removed from the plane and inconvenience another 200 people on the plane is an absolute joke. Joke, 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 and you should be ashamed of yourself. You know, it's just it's just ridiculous. And for guys like Stephen A. Smith on TV to defend him, that's a, that's a joke too. And Stephen A., you should be ashamed of yourself for doing that too, because that's just about as inconsiderate and about as rude as you can be on a plane. Put your damn seatbelt on if you want to go to sleep. You're, you're you're not feeling good. What? That's fine. Go to sleep. Wake up five hours later with your with your damn seatbelt on. That's all I got to say on that. Couple game picks for the weekend. I like Kansas State to f- figure out a way to beat TCU on Saturday in Dallas. Um, again, we'll see what happens with TCU if they do lose. But I like Kansas State in the NFL. I, I and I do like USC. I think USC will find a way to beat Utah uh, on Friday night in Las Vegas. In the NFL, I like the Giants getting two and a half at home against Washington. Again, a lot of people all over the Commanders are playing well. I just got a funny feeling the Giants coming off of Thanksgiving, some extended time off to rest, getting a couple guys back. I like the Giants at home against Washington. You got a huge matchup, Miami and the 49ers out in San Francisco. Huge stretch for Miami, three in a row on the road. They go. To, they have two West Coast games, and then they go to Buffalo the next three weeks. So we'll know a lot more about the Miami Dolphins. You got Kansas City going to Cincinnati, which is another game, Another again, a rematch game from the playoffs last year. I like Kansas City in that game with a little revenge. 
And then you got, uh, you also have Tennessee heading to Philadelphia. Interesting game there. Philadelphia, not very good against the run. And obviously, you got the rough and tough Titans coming to town. Derrick Henry, Tannehill's playing better, the offense. Can the Tennessee defense contain Jalen Hurts in that running game? Because if they can, I think they got an opportunity there to get to get some get it done. Uh, and then you got the Jets going to Minnesota. The Minnesota's only about a three-point favorite, a little surprising. That'll be a very interesting game in Minneapolis, Sunday, one o'clock. So then you got the Bucks in New Orleans on, on Monday night football. So enjoy the episode. We're gonna have a good episode for you. Again, Sean Kelly, new play-by-play voice of the Florida Gators, and Mike Neighbors talking Bucks Saints. Talking uh, just a plethora of things in the sports world, sports media world. Talking about being an author, professor, lots of different things Mike's Mike's doing. A lot of great work. So enjoy the podcast. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. This podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's Home Slice Pizza and Hank's Barbecue. For all of your restaurant needs anywhere in the Carrollwood Forest Hills area of Tampa, definitely reach out Beefo Brady's. Home Slice Pizza on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, and Hank's Barbecue just north on Dale Mabry, just north of Waters Avenue on the left. For all of your catering needs, whether it's barbecue, whether it's sports bar food, whether it's pizza, anything you need as the holidays approach, reach out to Beef O'Brady's, Home Slice Pizza, or Hank's Barbecue. Games you want to watch Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday night, College football, NFL, NBA is starting, NHL is starting, college basketball right around the corner. Check out all the TVs, all the great setups, all you need for sports viewing at Beef O'Brady's on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. Now a word from our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions, as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay Area. From St. Pete to Tampa to Wesley Chapel and anywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. And Print and Marketing Solutions, my guy Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located on the corner of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs. Corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, anything in between. Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing specialist, Todd Tedesco, 813 498 2887. Okay, welcome back to our special simulcast uh, podcast interview we're going to have for the Florida Football Insiders podcast as well as the Powers on Sports podcast. We've got a great pleasure to talk to the new voice of the Florida Gators, Mr. Sean Kelly. Sean has been uh, the lead play-by-play guy for ESPN College Football on ESPN Radio. He's done a lot of work over the years in, in New Orleans with the Pelicans. Tulane over the years and uh, just got a is a very very accomplished uh, broadcaster and uh, is a great addition to the University of Florida athletic department and community. Welcome in, Sean. Jason, thanks. When you rattle all that stuff off, I just I feel less accomplished and more old than anything else these yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. Well. All right. First off, first question. 
selling selling Gainesville, moving from New Orleans, which is a big city, big metropolitan city, all the big sports, to now relocating to Gainesville, Florida, where it's kind of all University of Florida all the time. How was that transition for you and your family? Uh, it's been great. You know, 20 years for me in Louisiana. My kids grew up there. Uh, they're making their lives over in Baton Rouge at this time. So um, it was a big, a big chapter in my family's, uh, I guess, course here and a very abrupt change to go to Gainesville, Florida. Uh, a, I've never been to Gainesville, which was strange. I had Florida on a number of different occasions in basketball and football, more football than anything else. But strangely, I'd never been to Gainesville or the swamp. And if you'd asked me even six months ago, you know, hey, Sean, is your career probably going to end up and wind up in Gainesville? Probably I would have laughed a little bit. <laughs> um, but it was just one of those things where all the boxes got checked. Uh, it just was going to be a tremendous fit. And it's turned out to be that way here through the first four months. What was the allure of the job? I mean, one thing, you know, you think about it in the broadcasting where people don't realize the broadcasting world is a lot of free. If you don't have a full-time gig with a company, it's a lot of freelance stuff. Events here and there with different companies was the allure of knowing kind of you're going to have a set schedule in the fall, kind of a set schedule in the winter, and then have a little bit of flexibility to do some other stuff. Was that something that drew you to a job like this? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, maybe more in the fact that um, I got to a point in my career, and I've been very, very blessed, to say the least, and things were going very well at ESPN. I got a lot of questions like, well, why do you want to leave ESPN? I said, well, I don't. I, you know, I was in the midst of negotiating my next contract with ESPN. Things were great. Uh, I loved getting back to doing multiple sports again as I was doing the last three years full-time uh, with, with Mickey Mouse there. And in this sense, there were a couple of things in play. One was that I missed a little bit being a part of a team. Uh, you know, sharing in that journey with uh, whether it be an NBA team or, you know, in this case, a college team as, as it was early in my career. Um, I, you know, it was funny when I was at ESPN, I, I enjoyed like going in, doing a game and then see you later, really no emotional investment. Right. Um, and, and look, you know, when you, when you do now what I'm doing for a particular entity, um, you're emotionally invested. So, the wins feel great. The, the the losses are tough, but at the at the end of the day, you're a part of something. You know, you you wear the colors. Um, you, you're tracking these young people's lives athletically, and sometimes off the field or court too. Uh, you know, throughout the course of not just a season, but maybe even a a very special time in their lives. And so, I miss that in a lot of ways. So there was that. And then because I, I've been as blessed as I have, I, I guess I got to be a little bit choosy about what would be next. Yep. And Florida is an iconic brand in college fo football, basketball. And, and we're talking about a very short list, I think, that would achieve that that kind of a label. So I, I would put that there. And, and then, of course, you know, everything else has to make sense. The finances have to make sense. Wife has to be on board with this. Sure. Um, you, you have to think about, you know, hey, look, and I always think about this with any job I take, will I be happy there in 10 to 20 years? And that seems ridiculous. And probably most people who like are life coaches would think that that's not healthy, but I, I don't look at jobs as I'm going to go there for the next thing, or this is a short-term deal. I always go into these things thinking long-term and I just, I love the long-term prospect of being at Florida. And the last thing was the people. Yeah, you know, I did my homework on Scott Strickland and, and Billy Napier coming in, Todd Golden, right? Uh, you know, what this baseball program is here. And really, 
across the board, the entire athletic program, this place wins <laughs> a, a lot. And while it doesn't seem like that here recently in football, you know, track is coming off of, you know, a first sweep ever of the men and the women national championship. Volleyball is competing for a championship. Swimming and diving has Olympians crawling all over the place. I mean, it it's just a, it's a special, special place and a fan base too, that um, is as passionate as any in the country. So Sure enough, I, I tried to put as many boxes out there to be checked, and they just kept checking boxes. And then the last bonus piece there was the fact that ESPN wanted to keep me in some way uh, if I did decide to take the Florida job. They were super supportive. And when they came around and said, hey, look, we understand this, and it makes a lot of sense. If you can, can you stick around in maybe a smaller way? Yeah. And when they offered that and Florida said, we think that's a good thing, too then, you know, spiritually, financially, you know, emotionally, yeah. all of it made sense. Yeah, it gives you the ultimate flexibility to kind of do what you want to do and not be committed to being on the road, you know, the, the NBA circuit where you're on a road trip for 10 straight days, you're not at home, you know you're going to be home every couple of days, even if it's on a road trip with Florida or an ESPN gig, you're going to be back in a couple of days. Yeah, you know, and and again, all, all of these jobs, as you know, you know, have their pluses and minuses. So, you know, if you're just doing the NBA schedule, yes, during the NBA season, it is an absolute grind. But because it covers this certain chunk of the year, you have what I, you know, the off season. My kids right. love the off season. So there's always a trade off. And I, I don't think any of us should be complaining about being in this position if, if you get it, because A, sure. this is what you dreamed of doing. If you didn't love this, you'd be crazy to do it. So if you get the chance to do it, then, you, then you're just trying to figure it out as far as that schedule goes and, and just managing a non-traditional type of job. So I, so you're in an interesting position coming into Florida when you did, new football coach, new basketball coach, and you all in the same kind of cycle here in the offseason. How has that been? Obviously, you're replacing a, a, a very fond, very long-tenured legend in Florida, Mick Hubert, who's been the voice for the Gators for 30 years um how you, you having to earn that trust of the florida community and the games and the florida fan base all around the world of sean's now the new voice and obviously you have your own style of calling games how how has that worked with you and uh you jumping into that role replacing such a legend yeah i'll start with the napier golden thing first you brought up the fact that i'm coming in as the new guy along with those two um and i and look that wasn't you know a major decider for me but certainly an intriguing one in that yeah. I enjoy process. I get in on the ground floor with the, both of their programs, sure. get to watch those guys build, if you will, yeah. and, and be with them day one, uh, you know, work to what they would like to have our process be broadcaster coach, uh, as opposed to, you know, trying to wedge into what somebody else had already been doing. Now the Mick, the Mick thing, <laughs> um, we're talking about a legend here. We're talking about a guy who is, in this chair for 33 years uh, and adored by their fan base, rightfully sure. so. Did, also, you know, did you know Mick before that? I did not know Mick before. I do love Mick. Yeah, um, right. You know, obviously since we've talked several times and and whatnot, because we, we, we're we we're two, we're half the, of the four members of this club since 1940. So wow. uh, he carried the bulk of it for 33 years. And I, I got a lot of, you know, you've got big shoes to fill and, and whatnot. And do I have a signature phrase, you know, Mick had, oh my, and, right. uh, you know, put that on a t-shirt and everything else. 
I, I'm not a signature phrase kind of guy. Um, I, uh, as far as the big shoes to fill, clearly. Uh, but I felt like maybe more so at this time in my career than than any other that I could I could follow somebody like that yep. and and be okay. Um, you mentioned a very key thing: the trust with the fan base. Mick earns that trust over three decades of work, shares in championships with them, shares in heartbreak too. So um, I I am in pursuit of that trust. Um, I won't be Mick Hubert in any way. If if they if a fan you know wants to reminisce about the 04 Florida football team, right. I probably can't help you on that. But every day moving forward, we will we'll have that shared experience. So um, I guess my end of the deal is this. I will give you everything I've got uh, and I will be as orange and blue as, as you might imagine. Yep. And we'll go from there. And I think that over time it will take care of itself. And the cool thing about being in a place like Gainesville, as opposed to maybe new Orleans, when you're at the Publix at Gainesville, they're going to know who you are, where if you're in new Orleans, you're at, at a movie theater, people might know the voice, but they may not recognize that you're the voice. Whereas in Gainesville, they're going to know who Sean Kelly is at the grocery store, at church, at whatever thing you're doing. Yeah, especially in Gainesville. And then, you know, it's it's becoming that way across the state a little bit, too. Yep. You know, <laughs> just read a study. There's over three million Florida fans in the state of Florida. Oh, yeah. So um, it, it's more sometimes it's it's weird in that when you live in Gainesville, schools here in Gainesville, you only kind of think as Gainesville is your universe. And with Florida, it's a much bigger situation with that. You know, we're all talking about you know, nearing now a half a million living alumni. So uh, as a, as I said earlier, it's a, it's a national brand for sure. Sure. It was interesting whether it was in the NBA or maybe more so in my years at ESPN, you're kind of nationally known, right? That doesn't make you famous or identifiable. I still had some measure of anonymity going on. Sure. Uh, so now I think in some ways I'm nationally known through my ESPN work and I'm locally famous now here in Gainesville because of the Florida Gators. And now with social, with all the different tech broadcasting technology, people all over the world are listening to Florida Gator games every single night, you know, every basketball, football, baseball, whatever you guys have those outlets where they can listen to that stuff where, you know, when Mick started, that wasn't available. No, it wasn't. And, and, you know, this is an interesting point or, you know, thing that you bring up here is that when I was getting ready to decide upon this job, I had to kind of figure out what the voice of the Gators would be here in 2022. Uh, in the sense that when Mick started his run here in Gainesville or when I was starting my career, uh, you know, around the same time, you know, radio was a much more upfront medium than it is now. You know, everybody can kind of get the game basically on this now yeah. or um, they can check scores through social media and, and everything else. My son is 22 years old. So the challenge for me, I think, here in this next phase of the job uh, is how do I be the voice of the Gators, not just in the traditional sense, which I'll do, but how do I be the voice of the Gators to that 22-year-old like my son, who's right. maybe not consuming the game in the traditional sense on radio? Um, and so in what ways can I serve that part of the demographic too? Absolutely. All right, so you grew up in St. Louis. Obviously, St. Louis has a very rich pedigree when it comes to sports broadcasters, Costas, Buck. Joe Buck, Jack Buck, and, and many more. Was that kind of your influence of want, wanting to get into this industry and kind of on a full-time basis? Yeah, I think there's two things here. One, we all get to this place in our lives athletically that we realize that 
we're not playing much beyond where we are. Right. <laughs> you know, for me, obviously, high school and maybe, you know, a chance to to play a little baseball beyond that. But other than that, my desire was to work in sports in some way because uh, I certainly wasn't going to play it. Uh, I didn't really have the appetite for coaching. And, and I was, I guess, romanced by these broadcasters you mentioned. And it was not only the quality of the broadcaster, Jack Buck, uh, Bob Starr, um, Dan Kelly, you know, I'm just thinking of people yeah. like that growing up, but, but also their connection to the community. Um, you know, St. Louis is a, is a big time baseball town. When I was growing up, it was a football town too, at the time, yeah. hockey certainly was on the landscape, but these broadcasters weren't just the voices of their teams, but they were also ambassadors for the team and, and pillars of the community. And I would see that. And I, and, and I desired to have something like that. And so when I went off to college, the original goal was to kind of like follow my my new mentor in college, which is Mike Reese at Southern Illinois University, Mike Kelly at the University of Missouri, also an SIU guy. Uh, so maybe I could be the voice of a school. That was the first kind of the, that was the goal. Um, I achieved that by going to Tulane and, and you know, let's just see what goes on from there. The NBA thing was a massive curveball. Um, and so my career took me down that path and I was in, in the league for almost 15 years but here i am back in being the voice of uh, of a school um but again all these things go back to st louis as you mentioned and wanting to be uh more than just the guy who calls the games on the radio and i feel like that's going to happen here a little bit at florida so as a broadcaster you want to try to tell the story of, of what's going on in front of you and all that and be as descriptive as you can how different is it is it being at the at a at a university where you're the voice of a school having to provide a little bit of homerism in your commentary versus when you're working ESPN doing a you know a Nick Celtics game where you're not really you don't really have an affiliation to a team how do you how do you balance that uh, interest of trying to tell the story the way it is but also having a little bit of I won't say homer is not the right word but you know what I'm saying as far as yeah. a little bit of slant towards the Gator the Gator Nation. Yeah, I think that when people turn on a Gator broadcast now, they they know it's a Florida Gators broadcast. Uh, <laughs> we're 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 concentrating on telling the story of the of the Florida Gators. Um, we're pulling for the Gators. Right. I'm not the homer in the sense that every call is against Florida, <laughs> right. or um, uh, no other opponent should be respected in any way. Um, yeah. No, it's 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 a, it's for Florida Gators fans, but at the same time, it's maybe not as um, I will be excited and we'll punch the big plays, especially on the Florida side, but I'm not going to, you know, be careful here. <laughs> don't give your, don't give a game seven call to a third down conversion in the second quarter. Correct. It's, it's just, it's just not the same. Um, thankfully I've had experience with both now and on the national side. Yes. It's your, your objective. You're kind of straight down the middle. I kind of want to describe it more as I'm excited for, the big things for both teams, right? Um, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate what's special in these sports for both sides equally when I'm doing an ESPN radio game. Sure. And on the Florida side, uh, I'm certainly not going to be um, super excited about a Florida state touchdown on Friday night, um, <laughs> but I probably will give you a bit of a different call if the Gators score on Friday night. All right, let's get to, let's get to on the field. The, the Gators are coming into the, uh, you know, wrapping up the year six and five coach Napier's first year, clearly kind of an up and down. They've had some really good moments and they've had some other moments where they've struggled a little bit as far as consistency and such. Where do you see coach Napier, you know, 
he's got a great pedigree recruiting wise. Where do you, how do you see his phase in year one of building this program back to where it is a national brand and where they are a contending for sec titles? Yeah. Wins and losses. I, I would say now after last weekend, uh, they're probably one, one game off of what I thought it would be. I, I thought they'd be sitting at seven wins right now, heading for right. Florida state. And I thought that eight and four would be really, really pretty good for Billy yeah. Napier in his first season with, the talent that he inherited uh, and you'd be bowl eligible. I felt like getting those extra bowl practices would be a huge thing for this team uh, in its first season. The loss last week at Vanderbilt, you know, stunning, obviously for Gator fans, um, surprising for others, observers of college football. Right. Uh, and so, you know, that's why I think it's, it's one went off the pace. I, you know, having watched coach Napier a little bit, somewhat from afar, but not too far in Louisiana the last several years. Right. Coach Napier has, and his staff, have a very good track record of, of developing players once they get into the program. For for instance, at Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns aren't getting four four stars and five stars. It's just, Correct. it's not going to happen. So Napier and company take twos and threes, and by the time they're done with them, if we re if we reevaluated, maybe they would be a four or a five or would be able to play at the next level. Right. So he had to do some of that here at Florida. And I think he has, there are several players, especially in that, in that freshman sophomore group that have shown tremendous growth right. since he took over the program. Uh, and then, you know, it's instilling um, the environment that he wants and the work ethic that he wants here, and then making use of what was already you know, on the shelf that was left by the prior staff. So in that ways, I think he's checked a lot of those boxes. Um, the recruiting will play itself out here shortly. I, I'm not a huge follower of recruiting. I have a hard time believing some. And then, you know, other things, is it enough information that I can I can say, oh, you know, he's going to have a top eight class. I, sure. I, I don't know, and I don't know who to trust really on that. From all reports, I guess what I can gather is it sounds pretty good. We'll find out here you know, in the coming months. So if he can recruit and, and have this team better than it was, you know, obviously when he walked in the door, uh, that's progress. And I, I think that he is not patient with this process, even though he will tell you that, you know, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day or the house isn't built, you know, the, the day you turn on the light switch, all those things. And neither is this fan base too. So um, I think, if I'm going to, you know, prognosticate for you, maybe that's what you're asking me to do. I think he gets this back to a national power faster um, than, people than you think. might think. Yeah. 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 Because to me, I think, I think more and more, and even in college football, you have to be able to coach him up when you get him on campus. A lot of, a lot of good players out there at all these different programs. It's how well can you and your staff coach him up when you get them there? That's what's made Nick say. I mean, sure. Nick Saban has great players, but he coaches those great players to be extraordinary players kind of deal. And that to me, that's the difference at college. You see it in the NFL too. guys like Belichick. They don't only have the best players in the league, but they're year in year out have the best teams because they coach them up and they develop a great culture. Yeah, it's a system. It really is. There's a formula to all this. Um, and some guys are better at that formula than others. And not only do you have to coach them up when they get here and develop them, you got to keep them too. I mean, right. that that's the other thing in play right now with college football. And look, that's a two-edged sword. Keep them, yes. But we've seen other programs, and Florida will probably do some of this themselves, and has already started with a couple of guys that he brought with them from Louisiana. Right. But you can, you can jumpstart this or 
or do something with that transfer portal in a positive way as well. Correct. No, correct. Absolutely. And with all the NIL money that's out there, all the every university has their own program or, or operation of how they generate those dollars. And, and 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 you're right. You can you can turn it around quick. All right. So you're going into your first Florida Florida State matchup over the weekend. The Gators beat the Seminoles on the basketball court uh, last week. Just talk about the uh, you, from your perspective, just of a big rivalry game. How do you, you know, it's obviously you're just calling a game. I get it, but there's always a little extra juice in a rivalry game, whether it's Florida Georgia, Florida Florida State. Just how, your excitement level when you know you're in a big game situation as a broadcaster. It's high. I mean, I don't know how you you can't get amped up for this. You know, in a lot of ways, these rivalry games only reside now in college sports. Um, we've lost so many good rivalries in pro sports, um, you know, division realignment, free agency, all those things. I mean, yes, Cubs Cardinals is still special. Yes, Yankees Red Sox, still special. There's a couple in hockey that still ring the bell a little bit, but but that's really it. So, you know, this resides in college football, college basketball, college athletics, and there's a juice to it and there's an unpredictability about it. And, you know, sometimes it's like in the case this week of Michigan, Ohio state, yep. it's an elimination game. Yes. Uh, both are undefeated. It has massive implications to not just the big 10, but the national championship picture as well. But, you know, otherwise it's usually it's a, it's a bragging rights game. B it's a chance to ruin something for the other team. Uh, and we see that probably more often than not yes. in college athletics. You know, there's the team that's kind of on a roll and maybe you haven't had the best year, but boy, wouldn't it be nice that's to make right. sure that they don't as well. Um, right. So all those things play into it. And then of course, you know, you have the proximity in this situation. You have families that have Seminoles in the family and Gators in the family. And you have, these kids that played together perhaps or against each other in high school, sure. all those things play into it. Not to mention, obviously, pageantry, tradition of when this game is played, time of year and whatnot. Um, and, and even in this situation here, not even in the same conference, but yet nobody seems to, to you know, that doesn't seem to matter. Even though off the field, um, you know, there was this talk, what, over the summer with all the conference shakeup, you know, hey, would Florida State go to the SEC? Right. Oh, well, Florida will never let them, you know, or, you know, you know, just stuff like that. You know, Barrett Jones, my my former ESPN uh, radio football partner, uh, he played at Alabama yeah. and whatnot. I know he Barrett. had a great phrase. He he would always say, you know, bring me all the petty. And and I, I'm, I'm on board with that. Give me all the petty here in a rivalry game and in college athletics because it's just it's just fun. All right, last thing I'll get you out of here. So back in back in your Louisiana days, I saw that you got your fireman's certificate and you did some <laughs> fireman's work in Louisiana, helping uh, as a volunteer at one of the parishes. Uh, is Gain is the, is the Gainesville fire fire department hiring? Looking for some volunteer help? <laughs> uh, I I would be more than happy to help them in any non firefighting role. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm getting a little too old to go running into buildings like that or. Uh, get get an alarm at 1 30 a.m it, it was it was a really strange uh thing that developed you know i i when i was doing just the nba stuff i had that massive off season and i was looking for some I, I can't help myself i always have some on the side but um i started as a volunteer you do a, a uh you do this much training to be a volunteer and then i loved it and and there was a need for me 
as kind of a flex person with my schedule. Yeah. So I just kept training and eventually I got, you know, fully certified and became a paid firefighter uh, and enjoyed doing that for, I don't know, five, six years, I guess it was until my ESPN career started to take off yeah. in conjunction with my NBA. And it was, it, it, it's simple math. Like in order to stay as a paid firefighter, you have to complete X number of hours of training every year. Um, and it was getting out of balance right? in that I was training more than I, than hours worked, if that makes sense. Sure. So, sure. And we knew the, the chief and I had worked up this, this grand concoction. <laughs> we knew that eventually it would get out of balance. Right. And I eventually, you know, said, Hey, I think we've reached the out of balance point. And, um, and so I kind of had to, to let it go. I miss it. It's a cool I thing though. It's a cool thing. Yeah. yeah no, it was a very cool, cool thing, thing on your resume. Yes. Uh, I, I think that at the time I, I, I don't think there was any other NBA broadcaster slash firefighters <laughs> running around. So party of one, I guess. I got you. Well, Sean, it's been a real pleasure, man. I really appreciate the time. Keep up the great work in year one in Gainesville. Welcome to the, the Gator Nation and uh, have a great broadcast during the fo- here, the remainder of the football season. And obviously you're into the basketball, you're, you're diving into basketball right now as well. And uh, continued success, man. You're, 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 you do, you do your job very well and keep up the great work. Jason, you're very kind. Thanks for having me. Happy Thanksgiving to those who hear this before or around the holiday. And otherwise, uh, I'll look forward to our next time together. Appreciate it, Sean. Have a great have a great weekend. Take care. Thanks, you too. Are you in the market for a new home as we enter the fall? First-time home buyer, you want to upsize or downsize your current living situation? Reach out to Titan Home Lending for all of your home lending needs. If you need an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo, or even a bank statement loan, Titan is the place to help you. We will work with whatever financial situation you are dealing with. Again, from Key West to Pensacola to Orlando to everywhere in between, Titan Home Lending is your home lending source in the state of Florida. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. All right, welcome back, Powers on Sports Podcast. Real pleasure. We are going to talk to... Man, this guy's resume is so long these days. I got, I got, I got to write it all down. I got it all written down. We're going to talk to the pro- professor. He's an author. He's an Emmy award-winning broadcaster. He's a creator of a of a online very successful series involving an NFL team. He covers an NFL team, and he's even a motivational speaker. One Mike Neighbors what joins comes back to on the Powers on Sports podcast. Welcome back, Mike. I appreciate it. Enjoy being on with you. How you been? I'm good. Everything's good. I know you're busy, busy this time of year with classes and traveling with the Saints and all that good stuff. So, had a, had a, did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. Uh, you know, I, I watched the Florida Florida State game with my oldest daughter who's going to Florida State, and uh, I went to Florida, so that was kind of fun. She enjoyed that game more than me in the NBA. Yeah, it it's all good. There you go. All right. Um, talk, let's, I, before we get to the Saints, I want to talk a little World Cup. USA beat Iran today to get to to the knockout round. You're a sportscaster. You've covered a lot of big events over the years. Just talk about the nationalism that event an event like the World Cup, an American, you know, feel good story. The Americans kind of unites the country a little bit during this tournament. How important do you think it is just for the positivity of the country that the U.S. got out of the out of the uh, into the knockout round? Well, I think they're doing so much better than they did. Obviously, you know, the last couple runs, but I think a big part of that is they figured it out. They had to go young. 
And I think they have the right coach too. And I love that the coach is working with this young team and uh, it seems like the chemistry is really good and they're a confident bunch, Jason. That, that, I mean, that that's going to be so important moving forward because, you know, I don't want to say house money. You can't coach that way, right. but I do feel like the pressure has been lifted from this team and that could be dangerous when you're a young team. And really, if they could do anything more, it would be great. But you have to feel good about the future that the second youngest team in the World Cup is advancing and has the potential to keep going here. And remember, you, you remember, fans, the United States hosts the World Cup in four years, so we'll be automatically be in the World Cup. Did you ever couple? Did you ever come, cover the World Cup or in the states or in uh, when the Olympics were in Atlanta? You know what? That's one of my biggest regrets. I was working in Tallahassee. For whatever reason, we didn't get up there. I've never uh, covered a World Cup, never covered the Olympics, and I really want to do both. So, yeah, that's a good reminder. I mean, it's uh, it, there's a lot of progress, and I like the way that they work with the MLS, too. I think that's really helped a lot of these uh, young soccer players. Yeah. All right, let's get to um, your wheelhouse these, these days, the New Orleans Saints. You do you do a lot of work with the Saints throughout the football season. You have a great series online called Aaron's where you, where you follow either a current Saint or a former legend Saint in the Saint organization. You, 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 you take them around for a day and you follow them and, and, and get into their kind of their personal life a little bit. Talk about how that's how that series has evolved over the years and how much you, how much joy you have creating that content every year. Well, I mean, everybody in the media knows this, and I think a lot of fans can realize that uh, we don't get one-on-one -on -one interaction with athletes as much as we used to. Social media is a big part of that. The athletes have their own platforms. Then the pandemic hit. There's another generation of athletes that just interviewed us via Zoom for a while. So I created this four years ago because the reason I got in the media, frankly, I love telling stories and I love relationships. And because of the reasons I just stated, we've lost that over right. the last few years. So I wanted to do a create a series where I could kind of rekindle that a little bit. We started with Dick Vitale. He was as Dick Vitale is always fabulous. Awesome, baby. He was great. And then the Saints saw that and they liked it. So I was signed to kind of a prove it deal. They were going to give me six episodes that they liked it. We would resign. They liked it. Then the pandemic hit. We ran errands with Archie Manning in New Orleans with a mask on for, for hours and Morton Anderson in Atlanta. And we just got renewed for our fourth year. Awesome. And now they've changed it a little bit. We're doing current players. We're doing more community errands. So uh, it's been great. We did Jameis uh, recently. We just did Jarvis Landry. It's been it's been a really fun run. I appreciate you letting me plug it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Talk about let's let's talk about the Saints on the field a little bit. A lot of people thought the Saints beginning of the year were going to be a major contender in the NFC. And for a variety of reasons, they just haven't. The quarterback play has been okay, not great. A lot of injuries. They've lost some of their key guys, Mike Thomas and some others. Lattimore has been on. What have you seen just from being around them every week has kind of been the big thing that's really held the Saints back? Well, just like the Bucs, uh, the Saints had a vision of what they would be. And, you know, the Bucs thought the offensive line would be intact. That hasn't happened. The big thing for the Saints, Jason, they thought they'd have a much improved receiving core because, because as you mentioned, you no know, Michael Thomas a year ago, uh, they didn't have Jarvis Landry, and they drafted Chris Olave, who is arguably the MVP of the team so far. Right. I think the front runner for Rookie of the Year. So, but you don't have Thomas. And Landry's been hurt most of the year. The offensive line's been inconsistent. The problem with the Saints, for you Bucs fans listening to this, the Saints have beat the Saints. I mean, the Saints should have beaten the Bengals. They were there at the end. They should have beat the Vikings in London. Penalties, turnovers. They have the worst turnover ratio of any NFL team, one of the most penalized teams. This past week, they lost to the Niners in Santa Clara, 13 to zip. Usually when you're shut out, you just play bad football. 
Kamara fumbles right by the goal line. Um, a questionable call with the Lave. They, we thought they may call a fumble. They said it was incomplete, which was one of the worst calls I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I have no idea what a catch is in the NFL anymore. Right. And I'm not one to complain about officiating. It's the Saints who've made these mistakes, and they turn the ball over. I still feel, without Michael Thomas and with some uncertainty at quarterback, that they're still a pretty good football team. We did a stat in our pregame show. And this is, this is really all of the NFL, but it's really been with the Saints. When they don't turn the ball over and they're not penalized, that's when they've won games this year. Right. But when they make the mistakes, and they've made a bunch of them, they're, they're, a lot of them are self-inflicted, and that's why they've lost. The good thing is you've got a home game this week. Mike's based out of Tampa, even though he covers the Saints. <laughs> Saints come to Tampa Monday night and say what you want. It's a game for first place. New Orleans yeah. is one game out behind the Buccaneers in first place, even though the records are not great. One of these probably two teams is probably going to the playoffs if they win that when you win that whoever wins this division. So as much yeah. as we think the Saints aren't doing very well in the in the Bucs, this game's a big game in the in, in the scheme of the playoff race. I think the key for the Saints is the defense. And that's really carried this team the last four years, despite Sean Payton, despite Drew Brees, the defense has been the number one strength of this football team. They played great against the San Francisco 49ers. Held Christian McCaffrey to under 50 total yards. Yep. He's averaged almost 100 total yards since he's come over from Carolina. If the defense can play well, we've seen how well they can play against Brady and the Bucs because Trevor Simeon uh, beat the Bucs a year ago. <laughs> I mean, didn't take a lot of offense for the Saints to beat the Tampa Bay Bucs. Shut them out nine to zip, and they were 11 and a, 11 and a half point dogs in Tampa and Ray J last year. So I think it comes down to defense and the offense just playing steady football and not making mistakes because um, it'll be interesting to see. This will be a big story if Marshawn Lattimore comes back this week because he and Mike Evans go at it. And Evans usually gets the best of him, frankly, in Tampa. And Lattimore gets the best in New Orleans. If Lattimore gets back, this defense is rolling a little bit. I think it's going to be a heck of a game. And I'm going to give you another shameless plug. You, you mentioned Drew Brees. Mike wrote a book with Drew Brees called The Breezeway. So now I know it's the holiday season. He's going to show it to you. If you're watching us on the uh, on my YouTube on my YouTube channel, the Jason Powers Sports Channel on YouTube, he's holding a copy of it. So if you're looking for a good, if you have a Saints fan in your family or a Drew Brees fan, The Breezeway, you can buy and be a great holiday gift for somebody in your family, a friend of yours, and all that. So Mike was Mike wrote the wrote the book with Drew Brees, who he's known many many years. I appreciate that. Yeah, we actually released the book almost a year ago on December 9th. And if you have a a son who's an underdog and and he's a good athlete, whether it's you know pee wee ball, junior high, high school, college. You, you got to read this book, too. I think it's really for every football fan. If you're a Saints fan, you're going to uh, recognize more of the stories. But I think I tried to write it where it would inspire a potential generation who's been told they're too too small to play. I mean, Brees had two offers when he won a state title in Texas. And it wasn't Texas or Texas A&M. It was Kentucky and Purdue. And he ended up going to Purdue. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun writing the book. And Doug Flutie wrote the foreword. And a real underdog story. A guy who came to New Orleans with high hopes, but never thought he'd be a future Hall of Famer when he left New Orleans. Yeah, and it's crazy how one decision by Nick Saban by failing Drew Brees on a physical, failing Drew Brees on a physical in Miami, turned the fortunes of both college football and the NFL with the Peyton and Brees connection, and then obviously subsequently Saban leaving Miami to go to Alabama. That one move reverberated through the football world for twenty years. And what's crazy about that, Jason, I think what's lost in that 
is it would have affected not only Alabama, it would have affected Sean Payton. Maybe he drafts Matt Liner instead of Reggie right. Bush, or maybe Tony Romo comes over from the Cowboys. But I also feel if Drew would have gone to Miami and played for Saban, he would have been a good NFL quarterback. Sean Payton made him a Hall of Fame quarterback. Absolutely. That was the perfect marriage. It's a big part of my book. Yeah, that move just shook up the football world, NFL and college. So many careers. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Sean Payton, obviously he's going to be the number one candidate this offseason. You know, people are going to be wanting to get him. Are the Saints going to be amenable to letting him go? Or are they going to kind of try to strong arm somebody for compensation? Because remember, he's still under contract with the Saints. He didn't get fired. He was he basically retired. So the Saints still own his rights. How do you think the Saints are going to handle that? Because you know it's coming here in a couple months. That's a great point. Here's the the crazy part of all this. Um, the Saints uh, traded a first round pick to Philadelphia. So right now they don't have a first round pick next year. Right. They would love to get some picks for Sean Payton, m- possibly multiple picks. I think Sean Payton's going to go somewhere where there's a good young quarterback, a Justin Herbert. Yeah. I don't see him in Arizona with Kyler Murray. I don't see him going to Carolina. Um, possibly, maybe Carolina, but they'd have to, you know, have that high pick to draft a quarterback. I'm not sure he'd want to be in the same division as the Saints. Uh, he still has a lot of a loyalty and a lot of emotion right. towards that city and franchise. But yeah, I think in a perfect scenario. He would go to a, you know the L.A. Chargers, the AFC, the AFC, AFC. Get him out of the NFC, and they get picks because next year, the more they lose, the happier Philly is because that first round pick is getting better and better. Yeah, and then Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who they let go too. So Philly, who they play uh, on, I think New Year, the day after New Year's, they have owned the Saints in terms of the off season because boy, uh, you know everything that has happened has really benefited Philly. Is everybody pleased with Dennis Allen in New Orleans? I know it was a tough year taking over for Peyton. What is the kind of the scuttlebutt, you know, in and around, not necessarily in the organization, but outside the, on the periphery of, of Dennis Allen's performance in year one? I think there are parallels with the Bucks and the Saints because when you lose a Sean Payton, Jason, when you lose a Bruce Arians, yep. uh, those are alpha dogs, man. Yep. They walk out of the building. There's a little less pressure. I think there's a, a little less emotion. Uh, Todd Bowles isn't the emotional guy that Bruce Arians is. Dennis Allen is not the emotional guy Sean Payton is. Right. These press conferences these days, um, he doesn't snap at anybody. Sean Payton's very quick to pull the trigger and question a question. So I think those are the parallels that you have two guys that frankly failed at their former jobs, Bowles with the Jets and Dennis Allen with the Raiders. And no, Saints fans aren't happy with him. Uh, they're not happy the fact he's not aggressive, didn't go on a few fourth and shorts, against yeah. the San Francisco 49ers, is not doing a lot of things that, frankly, Sean Payton did, just like Bowles right. is not doing a lot of things that Bruce Arians did, right? Very similar. Very, that's a great point. That's very, very similar. Mike's also a motivational speaker. Mike's really gotten involved in the motivational speaking world. He does a great job. Go to his website. Tell, tell me the website. You got these cool videos that you do on different topics. I, I was watching a couple before we started. Awesome work, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's my passion moving forward is uh, I'll always be a sportscaster. But I really feel that, you know, all of us can use the skills that we have. You do it uh, to have a different career later in your life. And I knew for a long time I wanted to teach and I wanted to speak. But frankly, Jason, I didn't want to do it until I succeeded and failed. So I could talk to my students about what not to do, what to do. And I just finished up my second book that I'm going to debut this spring. 
It's called Don't Quit, Pivot. I mean, a year ago, I wasn't teaching. A year ago, I hadn't written a book. And a year ago, I wasn't speaking. And I'm doing all three now. But I'm using all the skills I have attained for years as a broadcaster. And I don't care if you're an accountant, if you're a pilot, if you're a doctor, if you sell insurance. We all have skills, especially around the age of 50, that we um, maybe didn't use as much as we wanted in our career. But right. take those skills and channel them to something else that you may like even more. No, that's a, that's a great point. That's a, there's a lot of us that all go through failures in our life, unexpected or expected. I mean, a lot of them, as, as much change has been in, in, in society the last 10, 15 years with the economy and just everything going on at COVID, lots of people have to be prepared to make a change. When, and when it's something you don't even want to have to think about doing, but it, you're, it's forced on you because of just life circumstances. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's important for people to know that they're not alone. And right. in my book, I talked to four former sportscasters. One is uh, he created an auctioneering company. He's doing auctions all over the country. One is a fitness trainer. One's a financial analyst. And one, and I'll say his name, Pat Clark, who was arguably the most famous sportscaster ever in the city of Orlando, oh. is now selling what he's calling a goop dog which is basically a manwich in a hot dog bun. It was his mom's recipe. It was something he's wanted to do for years and he's loving it. And all of those guys I just mentioned are loving it. So I give a lot of examples of men and women who have pivoted and have changed their careers, but mainly follow their passion when they pivot. And I think that's the important thing. We only get one at bat, right? right. Do what you like to do. And if it doesn't work out, do something you like maybe even more so. That's right. Two more things. I'll get you out of here. I want to talk about Tulane in New Orleans. Obviously, you know that area super well. Tulane in a in a championship game in the AAC. People don't realize after Katrina hit New Orleans, Tulane athletics was decimated because of the people leaving New Orleans, the university, the damage. What a story Tulane and Willie Fritz is building there, getting back to an AAC championship game this weekend against Central against UCF, hosting it in New Orleans. I think you uh, Tulane went through a period because of different reasons the same kind of period the USF's going through right now. They hired a lot of coaches they thought had potential to turn things around. I mean, they hired Curtis Johnson, who was the wide receivers coach for the New Orleans Saints. Big-time recruiter when he was at the University of Miami, recruited Reggie, Reggie Wayne back then. They thought that would be a home run. It, all of the selections, just kind of like USF recently, haven't hit. Willie Fritz hit big, and he's had a huge year. And because of the Saints and because of the emergence of the Pelicans getting more popular with Zion – it's kind of lost in the shuffle, but not New Orleans. Uh, you go there, it's a big story right now. There's a lot of excitement, and they're hoping Willie Fritz doesn't leave, but I think many can understand why he would, and there'll always be an appreciation for what he did because, as you mentioned, after Katrina, Tulane was a mess. They tried multiple times to hire the right guy, and they haven't found him until Willie Fritz. Yeah. Last thing, I'll get you out of here. A lot of spe You mentioned USF. A lot of speculation here in the last couple of days potentially a Deion Sanders, you know, obviously USF looking for a coach, Deion Sanders name. He's got roots in Florida. He grew up in Fort Myers, obviously his Florida state uh, background and all that. Do you think Deion would be a good fit in Tampa and more so a good fit at USF? Not quite power five, but has potential to get there quickly due to his, his ability to sell a program and his, his flamboyancy and all that good stuff. One word. Absolutely. I think it's a win-win for both because when you think about it, yeah, uh, you know, Mike Norville's getting FSU back on track. We'll see with Billy Napier. You know, Miami's got a new coach. But the reason I say all that 
man, it's wide open for Dion to come into USF and take over the state in terms of recruiting. I think Dion automatically would be the number one recruiter over all the coaches that I just mentioned. And to me, you know, I think he wanted that Florida State job when they hired Norvell, but didn't have the experience. Right. But the competitor that Deion Sanders is, Jason, to not only build Jackson State, but then make USF the power in his home state bigger than his alma mater. That's got to be the selling point for USF. Yeah. They got to pay him. They got to build that stadium. It's a no brainer. And I frankly think, I don't know what is out there for Dion, but forget Colorado. This right. is your home state. Right. Colorado's won before. USF's kind of won, but you have a chance to really uplift them, not only in the state, but nationally too. And with free agency basically in college football with NIL and the transfer portal, he's going to have the ability to get guys from all all walks of life, all parts of this country that are big football players. So I would say especially on the defensive side of things with his, his pedigree on defense, I think you're right. I think he may not be here very long. He may only be – he potentially could only be here a couple of years. Who knows? But you're right. I think it could be a home run hire from the elevation of the brand of USF football. Yeah, and if he gets to the stadium faster and he gets at USF, just, you know, I mean, a two-year run, look where they've been for years and years and years since Jim Levitt left. They need a spark plug. They need something, and Deion Sanders would be perfect. I think it's a win-win. It'd be great for Deion. It'd be tremendous for USF. All right, Mike, awesome work, man. Tell everybody where they can find – I know you got your you got your, your, your media website for the company, and tell us everybody where you can find the Aaron series. Yeah, you just go to YouTube, uh, hit Aaron's, the word Aaron's, like you're running Aaron's, E-R-R-A-N-D-S, and hit Saints or Aaron's and Vital. Uh, we've talked to a lot of uh, different entities about growing it. And check out the Breezeway. You're looking to buy the football fan in your life a gift for Christmas. Um, it's on MikeNeighbors.com, N-A-B-O-R-S, and I'll send you an autographed copy. All the information is on there. It's also on Amazon and every kind of book platform, too. But, uh, hey, you do a great job, my friend. And I know you're working hard and I'm, I'm, I'm watching everything. And I, I really uh, see how every week you get great guests, uh, unlike this week, but usually great guests. So, you know, continue success. All right, man. Christmas, Christmas lunch on me next time we get together, man. Me, you and TJ. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good to talk to you, man. Have a great holiday. Have a great holiday, Mike. Keep up the great work with the Saints and tell the, tell the daughter, the Knowles, another year of, of dominance in the neighbor's household. <laughs> she already did that all set it was a friday night it was all yeah. friday night yeah i got that in my face the whole game especially <laughs> have a great weekend yeah. mike thanks for the time buddy you too brother thanks again for listening to the powers on sports podcast remember to subscribe rate and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight remember you can reach out to us on twitter at jpo sports so we'd love to hear your feedback comments suggestions for future episodes and again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues, and we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.